Well, good morning, LCM. We have a prophetic word for you this morning. You're going to want to turn in your Bibles to the book of Zechariah. That is where our prophetic word is going to come from. We'll be there all morning. This is an in-house prophetic encouragement. I hope it applies to our Christian voyeurs that are peeking through the window and looking at what we're doing from online, but this is for you. Judah and I have been poring over the book of Zechariah, and we realize that we might be a little more familiar with this book than you because we've been crying over it, we've been digesting it, been looking at it, and we want to start by giving you a little context for the prophetic word. So starting to give you a little context, Zechariah, he began prophesying about two months after a man named Haggai in about 520 B.C. Now both of these men, they were instrumental in the rebuilding of God's household. This took place during the Medo-Persian Empire, which you've been learning something about. And it happened well before Greece would ever rise. The nation of Israel is in captivity during this time, and the house of God has been ruined and desolate for nearly 70 years prior to the appearance of these men. To continue with a little background on Zechariah so you can engage with all of the reasons you're going to hear what you hear today. Ezra 5.1 and Ezra 6.14 mention both Haggai and Zechariah preaching together, prophesying together. This is one of the many reasons that this ministry does everything in teams. This is one of the many reasons that we believe in the confirmation of spiritual direction given in pairs that co-witness that direction with each other. We learn those things from watching Zechariah. So Zechariah the man was one of about 50,000 that returned to Jerusalem during the time that it was in devastation. Now, in one sense, the phrase 50,000 may sound like a lot, but when you consider an entire nation went into captivity and only 50,000 had returned while it was in devastation, that makes this prophet very unique. His name, it means God remembers. His very life, his work, is proof that God does remember his plan for his people, even in the midst of their destruction, and we are gaining hope from his life today. Part of this prophetic word is that the Lord has remembered you. Look, Zechariah is the son of Berechiah, and he's the grandson of a guy named Edo. Now, that may mean nothing to you other than Nehemiah 12.4 lets you know that Edo is of the Levitical family. They're priestly. Church, we have been focused for a couple years now on elevating the priesthood in our midst. So we get to look at a priestly family that does this. Zechariah is a man that did exactly that, and he did it in partnership with Haggai. So this makes this completely applicable to us. Come on. Now, there are many excellent scholars that have examined Zechariah, and they often regard his prophecies as the most messianic, the most truly apocalyptic in all of the word, and the most eschatological of all the writings in the Older Testament. By the way, that specific phrase is a quote from a reference work that we can show you. But this is a consensus of men who have examined Zechariah as compared to every other book. Those that seriously contemplate Zechariah's life and the prophecies, 
they tend to put his revelation on a level with Isaiah because both of these men describe the first and second comings of the Lord. And the thing about Zechariah is he is speaking 500 years in advance of Jesus. Come on. And you know what's more beautiful than that? He's going to speak to you in new ways this morning about right where you sit in this church. Are you ready for the Almighty God to speak to you? Somebody say yes! Say yes one more time. Yes! We're going to begin with you in Zechariah chapter 1, verse 1. And you are going to stay in Zechariah this whole time this morning. In verse 1, in the eighth month of the second year of Darius... The word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Iddo. The Lord was very angry with your forefathers. Therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, Glory. says the Lord Almighty. Amen. Saints, this is the beginning. This is the beginning of a correction of generational errors within Israel. And God is promising here that as they draw to him, he himself, as the Lord Almighty, will return to them. This is a promise of hope, hope of epic proportions. It is hope for the ultimate outcome of the family line of Israel. Have you been drawing near to him? then you can be sure he will draw near to you. And there is hope for this house. Verse 4 says, do not be like your forefathers. Amen. How's that for Thanksgiving dinner? <laughs> to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. But they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Where are your forefathers now? And the prophets, do they live forever? What a staggering truth that we're grappling with here. The generations and their errors are now gone. Come on. Even the prophets who corrected them, also gone. Think on this for a minute. Your daddy issues. Your childhood issues. The reason that I am the way that I am kind of issues. At some point, they're just dead. They're just gone. They're a part of an irrelevant leftover from a generation gone. When you contemplate the fact that he is addressing them and saying their forefathers are now gone, even the prophets who gave that word are now gone. Man, it highlights the need to examine the fresh prophecy, the fresh word of God that is speaking to us in this room now because there is a limited amount of time. This caused us to begin to contemplate 1 Corinthians 3. You are going to stay in Zechariah, but I'm going to begin reading to you out of verse 10 through 15. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one, no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. 
It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Saints, what a man builds in his lifetime, what a man builds and is the work product of his life, will be tested. The purifying fire of God will destroy the things that were not built according to the right pattern. The man himself will suffer loss, but he himself can be saved. Yeah. Saints, we need to interact with this. This is not some parachurch ministry. This is not feeding the homeless. This is the house that you build. Amen. God is speaking to us and Paul is speaking about the house that we build, what materials you build with. That is primarily exemplified in your family. It is entirely possible for us to not build according to the pattern and you yourself be saved, but your household be burned in the fires of hell. Paul here is addressing us so that we can examine in advance. Says, even though he may be saved, we must come to grips with the fact the only hope the family line actually has is for us to complete God's mandate on earth. Complete it for our sons and the generations who will experience that testing. Amen. When we think of something being burned up, your mind immediately goes to the eschatological end, the lake of fire. Yes. But for the house of God where judgment begins with us, the good news is it can be burned up now so that you can see it and you can move on. Come on. Much of the correction, much of the adjustment that's been going on in our midst, all of the exhortation coming from the pulpit at LCM is because the Lord is burning up the errors that were present within our generational lines. Come on. He is correcting our trajectory and our course. He's getting rid of the hay and the stubble. And no doubt, much of the years that we have spent building with wood, hay, and stubble through bad Bad teaching and poor application. It is being burned up now. Yes. So that we can be refined and purified and go in the direction God wants us. That's good news. Somebody say a prophetic word. We believe that God is speaking to us about his goal. That his goal in all of this heightened awareness is for the hope that still remains in this house for our family lines. The ones that are coming after us, they will be the builders of God's house. And our only true goal is to put them on better footing now that we have demonstrated in our previous years. That is our goal and that is God's goal. We're going to keep wrestling with the prophecy of Zechariah and applying it to us personally. Beginning in verse 6 again. But did not my words and my decrees, which I commanded my servants, the prophets... Overtake your forefathers. Yeah. Then they repented and said, The Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and practices deserve, just as he determined to do. Come on. Church, verse 6 is everything. Forefathers pass away. You in this room will pass away. But the word of God stands forever. Come on. And it will overtake every generation. The word is the only superstar, the only immovable rock that goes from generation to generation. Come on. Saints, we have a great hope. 
We have one that if we turn away from hay, stubble, and straw right now and turn towards the costly building materials for the generations that are coming out of our homes, the generations of this church that will outlive us long beyond us, we have this chance right now to make corrections that will allow them to build better, to start out with good materials, to build from better foundations. This is the only thing that truly matters with the years that we have left on this earth. Come on, say the years we have left. The years we have left. We're going to use them well. See, it's our estimation that this church is in a period of great awakening to our own sin. Yes. Would you all say that's true? Yes. We're going to rise up and correct things in our home right Amen. now so that the errors of our home are not extended into new generations. Amen. What this actually means is that there is hope for our future and hope for these little ones within our house. They are now the focus. Come on. Ezra. Ezra faced very similar circumstances to what we do, and he's a contemporary of Zechariah. Yep. So you're going to stay in Zechariah, but Judah's going to read to us from Ezra. This is Ezra 10, picking up in verse 2. Then Shechaniah, son of Jael, one of the descendants of Elam, said to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God. Notice that they're speaking in the collective about the house of Israel. We have been unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women from the peoples around us. But in spite of this, man, what a good phrase. But in, in spite, spite of, this, of this, in spite of this, there is still hope yeah. for Israel. Now let us make a covenant before our God to send away all these women and their children in accordance with the counsel of my Lord and of those who fear the commands of our God. Let it be done according to the law. Saints, the very plain language, the Peshat of this verse, it is clearly about illegal and worldly marriages. But in our church today, the Ramez has been about worldly practices within our own marriages that God is causing us to rid ourselves of. Yeah. I'm talking about Vashti-like issues and men that lack the fortitude, the maturity of men like Mordecai. But there is hope for the work of God. There is hope for the house of God. We are addressing all of this right now so that our progenitry, our children, our disciples all get to start from a better and cleansed place. Look, the corrections that we have made, and you have made many, and the corrections that we are making, the thing to grasp right now is that they are more for the benefit of the next generation than they are for our benefit yes and the simultaneous truth is that they benefit us in our final years as well it's true the next verse in Zechariah I'm sorry in Ezra is is an anthem for us come on it's an attitude it's something that we are going to carry into the years ahead so so dial in to this it's verse four rise up yes this matter is in your hands. Yeah. We will support you. So take courage. Come on. And do it. We have had the courage to look at it. To look at our sin. To face the serpent biting us. And now we will have the faith to see it corrected. 
for the generations that are coming after Amen. us. LCM, we are rising up in our faith. This matter is in our hands. Yes, it is. We, somebody say we. We. We will support each other in this effort. We will take courage together, and we will do this together. There is hope for us. Amen. Somebody say, we. we. Saints, this is no longer about individuals. We will support one another as we rise up together in this matter. Saints, this is the heart of the Lord for this church. It is expressed as Zechariah continues in this chapter. We're going to move down to verse 14 together and see this concept continued. Then the angel who was speaking to me said, Proclaim this word. to the to, That is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Jerusalem and Zion. God is speaking here saying, I am jealous for Jerusalem and Zion. I am jealous for my house and saying it in two different ways. We believe that God is jealous for this house today. But I am very angry with the nations that feel secure. I was only a little angry, but they added to the calamity. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I, I as in the Lord Almighty, the God of the universe, I will return to Jerusalem with mercy. And there my house will be rebuilt and the measuring line will be stretched out over Jerusalem, declares the Lord Almighty. Saints, the Lord is jealous for the work that he began in you, that he began in your house. And now that we have faced the areas that must be corrected, and we understand that this is less about us and more about the foundation that we will leave this next generation. Saints, now we will see the mercy of the Lord because it's for them. Now we will see the rebuilding of a spiritual house that has been torn down but is rising higher for them. We will see the measuring line of God's word stretched out over this house and our houses individually as we rise to meet it together. Find Zechariah 2 in your Bibles. You're going to want to look at this. And I'm unashamed to say, Devlin, I have you on my mind. Levi, I've got you on my mind. Cora children, I've got you on my mind. This, this is an important thing for us to grasp because Amen. what is happening is about them. Okay, what, what Zechariah 2 is representative of the blessings that the Lord will lay before us in our generations. We're going to pick up in verse 4. And he said to him, run, tell that young man. Come on. Come on, tell that young man. Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of men and livestock in it. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord. And I will be its glory within. Come on. We have a prophecy for this body this morning. We're going to have to run. We're going to have to run until that young man, meaning the generations that are coming after us, because the Lord wants an expansion of his kingdom in our family lines that is truly limitless and without walls. And it is going to happen. It's why we're doing what we're doing now. We've come to grips with things that the Lord has highlighted. And they're all things that do place limits on our children and do place limits on our disciples. 
They place limits on what they will inherit from us. That's why we're grappling with the things that we're grappling with. See, there cannot be walls built between husbands and wives. And you've been discovering walls between husbands and wives. I just don't know whether she'll follow me. Well, I just don't know whether he's going in the right direction. Those are walls between husbands and wives. Little areas of accepted disagreement with each other and disagreement with God. Those are walls. The fact that you're not fighting about it means that you lost. Those are limits that we are imposing upon the next generation. It's what they see. It's what they learn. All of those shalom-stealing thoughts that are leftovers of a dead and gone generation. The garbage that you learned as you were a child and didn't even realize you were picking up from forefathers that would not be corrected by God. Now, at this place, we have a good prophetic word for you. But we need to do something. We need to become accountable in the house of God. No more private. We're in this together. If in the last 30 days, if in the last two weeks, you have been discovering walls between husbands and wives, if in the last two weeks, there have been areas where you've just agreed to disagree, if you have had shalom issues in your marriage, and I'm only talking to the married people, then stand before God in acknowledgement that you need his help. Stay on your feet. Look around the room. We will support one another. Not in our marriages, not in any area are we standing alone anymore. It is time that we win for the sake of this whole house. Single people in the room, I'm speaking to you, Rob and Miranda. I'm speaking to you... Juan, Cho, men who would like to be married. Look around. Look at the married people who are around you that are standing because of the conviction of God in their marriage in the last 30 days. Listen to me, Devlin and Ivy. Listen to me, Sydney. The things that you wish to accomplish, you have not even begun. You have not been deemed worthy of marriage yet because there are still walls and divisions between you and your authority, between you and your brothers. You are in the process of breaking this down. Now, lest you think I'm just speaking to the young people, I mean 15 to 60 in this house. Damon, do you hear me? Now is a time for us to have sober recognition. Those of you that are preparing to be married, preparing to actually start life, there cannot be vicious insecurities in you. Vicious insecurities in your hearts that exert more influence over you than the truth of God's word. Look at these men and women that are standing for the repentance that God has brought into them. Those are leftovers. Those insecurities are from the dead generation that cannot continue into the next. We are fighting for those of you that are called to be married. But now is a time to have sober recognition of the adversaries against you growing. The adversaries that are still in your house. It's time that we bring this hostility, this warfare, and our teams and our relationship with God to an end. We are correcting the definition of what a biblical family looks like. Amen. We are learning how to stand with real biblical values. 
what it looks like and how to define it for the generations that are coming. If you are single in this house and you are recognizing that your own sinful iniquity has caused barriers, walls between your brothers on your left and right, walls between you and your authority and God himself, and you want to stand in recognition of the fact that you are now facing it and we are building something better, stand with me now. Listen, while we are thinking on that subject, it is everything that you people who are in marriage training, not married yet, in marriage training, that you recognize the vicious insecurity that is driving you towards manipulation, towards planning. Those things will taint your generations that are coming. And now is the time. Almost everyone in this room is on their feet. I have one more category for us. There cannot be Christians of any kind that are still satisfied with mediocre stagnancy, volatile relationships with the Lord that lack the definition of biblical productivity. Lives that are devoid of fruit. I've been in the kingdom 20 years, but there are not 20 disciples. I've been, I love the Lord all of my life, but it is not evidenced in the work product of your life. The Lord is correcting fruitfulness in this house right now. If the other two areas didn't get you, then you are probably tone deaf to what God is doing. If you are right now sitting, then you must be thinking that you're as fruitful as God wants you to be. You better come to grips with that because I don't see any Apostle Pauls in here. I, I don't see any of the New Testament fruitfulness that turns the world upside down. If you would like to acknowledge that you must become more fruitful, then please stand to your feet. Saints, look around this room. We are now facing our sin. We are turning on it. Because the Lord himself will be our protection. And he will be the glory of the generation of children and disciples coming from this room. Coming after us because we choose to rise up now together. To take this matter into our hands. You have risen up. That's what you're doing right now. You are standing up right now. Lift your hands before the Lord. This matter is now in your hands right now. Mighty God, we ask that you might move on us. Lord, that you might breathe upon us the words. Run and tell that young man. Lord, that you would move us by your spirit. Lord, that you would carry us along. That your prophetic voice might breathe into their hearts, not just their ears. Lord, that out of the souls of the men and women in this room, a cry would rise that is for those that are coming, that we would run to go tell them about the glory of our God. Saints, open your eyes and look at me. This. This is the measurement that the Word of God uses to build the generation coming after us. Yes. The degree to which we can face who we are, but turn our eyes towards telling that young man what he needs to know. Running to do it. 
What is done in this room today is something that we will run together to accomplish. That we will run together to tell those that are coming after us. And it takes every one of us from Jorge to me in this room. Saints, you may sit down. We're going to pick up in Zechariah 3 together. And it is going to be holy. It is going to be instructive. And it is going to lift this house through a prophetic word that the Lord is giving us today. Do you want to win? This is how we win. This is Zechariah 3, verse 3. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. Saints in the Peshat, this is Joshua, the high priest, a real, breathing, historical figure that existed. But in the Ramaz, this is Jesus standing in a substitutionary role to become sin for you so that you might become the righteousness of God in him. But where we want to hit today, what we feel God breathing on is the prophetic midrash. Yeah. We are the body of Messiah and he has caused us to see our filthy clothes, to look at it. We have faced it together. And now, somebody say, and now. Now. A generational correction is happening that will save our future in the house of God. Thank you, mighty God, for the grace that saves our generations. Even if we have suffered loss, we can still be saved and our generations will do better. Come on. We're going to pick up in verse 4. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Praise God. Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin and I will put rich garments on you. This is a prophecy to you. You guys have had the courage to look at your sin. And heaven is helping you take that filthiness off. Yes. You're being clothed in the royal deeds of Christ. Come on. I got to say, I like your new wardrobe. You're being given Esther's beauty treatments. And you are wearing her royal crown. This is for the good of others. It's, it's all this is being done to you and for you. For the sake of God's people that are coming after you. That's what this is all about. Oh, come on. Having your filthy clothes removed is good. Can somebody say that's good? That's good. What you're about to hear is so much better than just putting away filthy garments. Verse 5 says, then I said, put a clean turban on his head. Woo! And we serve a God that will not only strip the filth, but he will put a clean turban on your head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. Saints, we believe that the presence of the Almighty is watching what is happening here. That he is clothing us. That the fog is beginning to clear. That your thoughts are beginning to align with the word of God about the way your home must operate. He's clothing you in the mind of Christ. This is the way that we will raise our children. This is the way that we are becoming fruitful in every way in the kingdom of God. Abundant in fruitfulness. Saints, you do have a clean turban. You do have the mind of Christ. You do have garments your king has provided for you. Amen. We're going to pick up in verse 6 and just keep rolling with what the Lord is saying to this body. The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in my ways and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house. 
and have charge of my courts. So I, give, I will give you a place among these standing here. Church, because we have risen up in this matter, because we have taken this matter in our hands, because we support one another yes. in this effort, then we can know that we will govern the house and we will give instruction within the courts Hallelujah. that our children and our disciples will start their ministries without the errors of the generation that we're in still needing to be corrected. That's what this is all about. We are going to keep moving in this prophetic message. Verse 8 goes on to say, Listen, listen, O high priest Joshua and your associates seated before you, who are men symbolic of things to come. Come on. I am going to bring my servant the branch. Thanks, what a special promise this is. The Lord will send the branch, the sama or the netzer, the thing that springs out of death into life. In a historical sense, of course, this refers to Jesus, the Messiah, coming to the nation of Israel as the righteous branch. However, in a prophetic sense, this yeah. is us as well in Messiah. Yeah. The Lord will send that life straight out of death kind of resurrection power to this body. Come on, you've been hearing it in messages lately, and the Lord is speaking it to us through Zechariah. The Lord will make that dead staff of Aaron bud oh, and on. sprout and yeah. produce life and almonds. The Lord will cause your appointment to succeed. Catch this. If our inability seems to have killed it, that is only making way for the Netzer spirit to show God's ability to do it. He is still able and he yes. will send that kind of resurrection power on every area that you have lifted up before him. He will do it for the benefit of those that are coming after you. He wants them to grow up in this environment. Oh, come on. There's one more thing we have to catch from this passage. Hear me. You are men symbolic of things to come. Come on. Somebody say that God has chosen me. Say, chose me, church. He chose you as a symbol, as a symbol of the Netzer-like power of what would be coming after you. We are not the fulfillment of this prophecy. We are the symbol of the extraordinary power that is coming after us in this house. If we can grab hold of that, his resurrection power will produce it. I know what kind of man Josiah Moloch will be. Yes. Because I know his father. But you know where my real hope is? is that his father knows himself and is looking to his father to improve it so that Josiah is benefited the whole time he's in the house. Come on. I know what kind of man Levi will be yes. because I know his father. God is correcting things in our homes. He is helping us so that our disciples will be better men and better women than we are. This is not him torturing us. This is him perfecting us for them. Amen. Zechariah 4 has been an encouragement to us since the founding of this ministry. As I look over there and I see Matthew Piro, it's why the Piros are with us today. It's the fourth chapter of Zechariah. It's also why we work in teams today. Yes. It's one of the passages that gave birth to this ministry and that you are now an essential and vital part of. You are the ministry. That was the word this year. Let us go back into the will of spiritual blessings for a prophetic application of Zechariah 4 to each of your homes. Are you ready for it? Yeah. 
Zechariah 4 and verse 2, he asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lights on it with seven channels to the lights. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. Wow. In the Peshat, this verse refers to Zerubbabel and Joshua, obviously. And the fact that they're anointed to build God's house. Come on. But in a prophetic sense today, yeah. I see families like Keith and Floor. And each of your homes has the lampstand of God's spirit and holiness in the center of your home. Every father and every mother in this room stand beside that lampstand as two anointed, two appointed, two called men and women of God to build your family line for the house of God. You're anointed for it, and God is making it happen because you are rising up, and you are taking this matter into your hands with greater courage in the last few months than in your whole lives. You're fixing things you didn't even know were there a year ago. You have to look past something. You have to look past the mountains of your errors. You have to look past the sinful slope of your ways. This does not depend on your strength. It depends on God's ability in your willingness to make it happen. That's an essential truth. Listen to verse 6. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel and you, LCM. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Saints, we're going to speak to the mountains that are in front of us. Our God is going to empower us through our willingness. What are you, almighty mountain? Hear the lion of Judah roar like that song. Oh, saints, it's time to question the things that have felt immovable. It's time to challenge the things that you have felt like were a mighty mountain before you because your God is speaking. Before Zerubbabel or before you, LCM, it will become level ground then you will bring out the capstone to shouts of god bless it god bless it saints you will stand wrestling with your own inability it is going to happen but the lord will then cause his ability to level the mountain of problems that years of poor application have heaped up that sinful slope will become level ground by the power of his spirit he who began a good work in you lcm will bring the work to completion. Oh, and hear me, saints, the shouts of your children will be, God bless it, God bless it. Parents, that happens when we stop thinking that we're presenting perfection to our children and you start thinking that you are presenting how you are being perfected to your children. Come on. Then they say, God bless it, God bless it, when they see what God has done over you in you over a lifetime. Yes. Zechariah 4.10 is a serious question for our body. Who despises the day of small things? Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. This is a sincere question. Who despises the day of small things? Now I'm going to ask you not to answer out loud because we're rising up in this matter. Amen. But ask yourself. Do you despise the fact that you're not as far along as you thought you were? Do you despise the fact that you're having to deal with problems that you now know you've ignored for years? 
Do you despise the sober assessment that you have had to make? Judah, help us out with this. Oh, come on. Do you want to get in the right perspective with me? You ready to have fun in church? Repeat it after me. Hell Hell no. no! No, we will not despise it. We will rejoice because the plumb line of the word of God, that measuring line, is now in your hands, LCM. You are correcting the errors of generations past so that your children and the disciples coming after you will have a limitless city, a limitless Limitless. house, a house that has no restrictions from the past. That plumb line, man, it is the ancient measurements of Jerusalem. It is that superstar word of God that is living and active here. We have taken measure, and now we are asking Adonai to help us live up to what? He says our house is a limitless city. The time's not going to permit us to reflect on every chapter. But in chapter 5, we see the Babylonian wickedness that was once in our homes being sealed with lead. Oh, come and on. airmailed right back to Babylon. This church is getting the BS out of here. I'm talking about we are ridding our lives of the Babylonian shipment. Yep. Perhaps this evening, perhaps tonight, as you fellowship, as you support one another in this endeavor, you can review Zechariah chapter 6. And as you do that together, you're going to see the chariots of God. They're being arranged and they're straining. They're working and going out. To cause the spirit of the Lord to rest on your efforts and in your homes. You will find out that God is breathing upon his people in supernatural ways. And it affects the earth when he does. You will see the kingship and priesthood of the men in this room. As they're crowned with merits of Jesus. The one, the high priest who gave it to them. You will see tonight. You will see the Lord promising you. That he will cause you to succeed in building a generational house for him. Because his spirit is breathing on your family line. Look, we've been prophesying to you for 42 minutes. So I don't want you to miss it. We're outlining the chapters of Zechariah as they apply to you right now. So after this service, you know what your homework should be in your discussions. In chapter 7... We are again reminded of our need to administer true justice, to show mercy and compassion to one another. Look, we have to face the fact that we cannot think evil of each other. Chapter 7 says that plainly. You can't be faithless towards God working in your brothers and sisters. Not doing these things that chapter 7 says is how we came to be of need For correction in the first place. We are rising up in this matter. Yes. We are taking courage to correct these issues. And we will support one another in this endeavor. Because it's for the good of our children, our disciples, and the generation coming after us. We are in this together. Period. Saints, as the Lord has directed us through Zechariah. There is no chapter that we do not feel his prophetic voice on. All of these things were first spoken to the house of Israel. And they do primarily apply to the house of Israel. But praise the living God. We 
We in this room, we have a royal adoption. They now apply to us as we are included in Messiah, as we are included into their family line. We are learning that the family line of God must be built in this manner, and we are reflecting our ancient traditions more and more so we can do it in the next generation. We have a few more samplings from Zechariah 8 that we know without a shadow of the doubt we cannot summarize that God is speaking to you right now. Put your finger on your physical Bible in Zechariah 8. I'm going to pick up in verse 3. This is what the Lord says. I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the city of truth. And the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of a ripe old age Hallelujah. will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with a cane in his hand because of his age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. Church, our word to you is that your mountain of problems will turn into a mountain of truth. Yes. Your family line will be called a holy mountain yes. because of the actions that you are taking the courage to engage in right now. When you engage with this passage, the Lord is causing men and women of a ripe old age to see their family line filled with boys and girls yes. playing in the house that God builds through the action that you are taking to engage in now. Not just children, but grandchildren and great-grandchildren that you don't have to hope they'll love the Lord. They will love the Lord because they've watched Him build your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The Lord is correcting generational errors, and He's doing it through you. Amen. So that your children and disciples can build the kingdom in limitless ways. Zechariah 8 verse 9 goes on to say, This is what the Lord Almighty says, You who now hear these words spoken by the prophets, who were there when the foundation was laid. Saints, I want to tell you there's a reason the two of us are encouraging you about this today. God is doing something in your midst that will be a marker. For the house of the Lord Almighty, let your hands be strong so that the temple may be built. Raise your hands and your seats. Mighty God, let these hands become strong according to your word so that your house might be built, Father. Saints, you can look up at me. We love to sing songs about a thousand generations. But this is the practical manner in which. Yeah. This is the attitude and the spirit by which we will actually obtain the thousand generations. The word of the Lord to us is let your hands be strong so that the house of God might be built. Amen. This is about those that are coming after us. It is not even about you. It is about what will come long after we are gone. In the 12th verse, the seed will grow well. The vine will yield its fruit. The ground will produce its crops, Hallelujah. and the heavens will drop their dew. Come on. 
I will give all these things as an inheritance to the remnant of LCM. As you have been an object of cursing among the nations, O Judah and Israel, so I will save you. And you will be a blessing. Do not be afraid. But let your hands be strong. Yes. Pastor Parsons did a great job of encouraging us to stay connected to the vine in John 15. And now you can feel the Lord prophesying to us out of Zechariah. The vine will yield its fruit. The ground will produce its crops. Heaven will drop its dew on me and my family for the sake of his house. This is the inheritance that we are going to leave our children. Our correction now means that they will live in the blessings of God. Our God will strengthen our hands for this work. And we will support one another at every step of this work. Verse 18 says, again, again the word of the Lord Almighty came to me. Praise God, he doesn't just speak to us once. He is resounding his word. He is speaking about the life that is coming. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The fast of the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth months will become joyful and glad occasions and happy, happy festivals for Judah. Therefore, love truth and shalom. Saints, all of the humbling that has happened lately. And there's been some, hasn't there? Yes. And repentance that ensued as we were humbled. And the fasting that has occurred. Saints, all of this will become for us one of the happiest seasons in our lives because... Because we are founding our future generations now on love, truth, and real shalom. Are you overwhelmed yet? Because there's more. There's more blessing. Verse 20 is a prophetic word about what the children of LCM will experience because you are rising up in this matter. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Many peoples and the inhabitants of many cities will yet come. And the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, let us go at once to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. And many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord Almighty and entreat him. Church, we are after the many peoples and powerful nations on that map. This becomes a reality in our future Because of the generational corrections that are occurring in our midst today. Our children, our disciples will know how to say, I myself am going to entreat the Lord. You can come with me. That happens because of what we're doing now. As we move into chapter 9, you need to know this is where the whole word was driven from. It was the string that needed to be pulled So that the Spirit could show us His will for you and the blessings that He wants to bestow and is bestowing upon you. Are you all ready? You're you're not too tired for us? This is Zechariah 9, verse 8. But I, I will defend my house. Saints, who is the I in this passage? This is the Lord Himself saying, I will defend my house against marauding forces. Come on. Never again will an oppressor overrun my people. 
For now, I am keeping watch. All saints, don't drift off thinking about a brick and mortar house. We are speaking about his people. He's speaking about your generation, saying, I will defend them because they are my house built on the rock. Our God knows how to defend his house. You are standing up to the marauding forces, giving the Almighty the chance for his spirit to deliver through you. You are now choosing to evict everything that threatens the generations coming after you. They have no place because we know their destiny. The Lord is telling us that he, he himself, is keeping watch over us and what is coming from us. He is watching to make sure that our homes produce what he desires. Yeah. The disciples coming from you will have limitless advancement in the kingdom of God. This is going to happen because they are not burdened and weighed down by generational errors long since past and undealt with. We are curing it now. God knows how to defend his house from marauding forces. Yes, he does. These last few months, we've been in the business of evicting marauding forces from our house. Now, next week, next week is the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Yes, it is. And it's fitting that this week is the triumphal entry of Christ into your generations. Oh, come on. This is LCM. We've never let the calendar dictate to us what we preach about or what we discuss. The Spirit has a revelation for you. By the way, with 53 minutes into our, mes our message, it's time to give you our title. If you're taking notes, we titled this message, A Couple of Ordinary Asses. <laughs> that comes from Zechariah 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Yeah. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah foresaw the entry of the Lord into Jerusalem and the entry of the power of God into your generations. The world has always built differently than God does. And it's evidenced by everything that we see around us. We're going to explore that for a minute as we work into a newer testament and then finish in Zechariah. Come on. Luke 14, 28 says this. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate or calculate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Saints, you, you have spent months counting the cost. You know that you have come up short in the endeavor that God wishes to build. But you are now depending on God to make up the difference, and he has already said by spirit it will happen. Who's trusting him to make up the difference? Your foundation is being adjusted, tweaked, aligned by God so that it depends on him and his power and not upon you. All of this is required of you. All that is required is that we choose to be willing and rise up, take courage, and let our hands be strong for them. He will supply the need because it is about them, and he will produce his crop. We have a slide for you that we'd like to show you. This is from Luke 14, 28 in Sermons Past. On the left, you see an example of Babylonian building from Genesis 11. 
something that starts wide at the base and gets ever more narrow as it goes up. On the right, you see Christ construction method, something that starts small, starts minuscule, but every generation that goes by rises and expands in increasing fashion. This world likes to build in decreasing, diminished in demi-two generations. Oh, you'll never be as good as what came before you. That is the exact opposite of what the Spirit of Christ is producing in this house. We are producing better than we are. This next generation will be even more dependent and reliant on the Lord. This next generation will rise to greater heights than all those that came before. It will rise to heaven itself. This is what we are building in this house. And we have begun it through true humility and reckoning with the Almighty God so that we can cultivate it. This kind of building is how Adonai has always done it. It is the Christ construction model. Yes, it is. And it's long before Jesus ever rode into Jerusalem on two ordinary donkeys. You might remember this slide from ministry training one or two. I forget. I'm getting old. The smallest circle is Abram, whose one life was changed through brokenness and his inability. And yet God enabled him to begin a family. Yes. You see Abraham as a great man. He saw himself as a man who was unable, and yet God made him able. The next level is Isaac, whose one family was also barren and marked by inability. And yet Adonai enabled him to begin the seeds of a nation. Yes. The next level is Jacob, generations, whose family was marked by failure and inability. And yet he became a nation that God enabled to be, begin the seeds of global salvation. See, what is happening is the Lord is showing us how to build generationally through repentance that causes us to know our great need for him. And then he does more than we thought he could with it. And our children and disciples grow up in that environment and it's all they know. They become even more aware of their sin. They become even more aware of yes. God's ability. And the Lord will ride on that in glorious ways. We want to show you how Christ's construction used two ordinary donkeys yes. to begin rebuilding God's house that was in spiritual devastation. And that what he did has extended so far as to reach to North America, to you, Sitting in this seat 2,000 years later, which gives you some idea what he will do with you sitting in this seat for the future. We're going to pick up in Matthew 21. We will not keep you that much longer, but it is worth hearing it. Saints, are you ready for it? Yes. Are you ready for it, saints? Yes. Verse 1, as they approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage. On the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. Somebody say them. them. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was with two ordinary donkeys or ordinary asses. His entry into the generational construction of his plan for the house of God, it is the same. He starts with two ordinary individuals. He did not pick one donkey, but he picked two. And he required that they be brought to him because he had need of both. In verse 3, 
If anyone, somebody just acknowledge it. Go Say it with me with a little attitude. Anyone. anyone. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them in the plural. And he will send them right away. These donkeys are quite literally two generations. One older and one younger. When we're talking about joining in the work of God and preparing the next generation, there will always be people saying, you know what? Baseball needs them. You know what? The prom. The prom needs them. You know what? Higher education needs them. Their careers need them. But you, church, are learning to say, hey, the Lord needs them. Hallelujah. God's plan as far back as Zechariah was that two generations will be how Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And it is how we enter the future work that he has for all of us. So verse 4 brings us back to Zechariah. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. And you, of course, know who that prophet is. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples and Jesus had instructed them. They did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them. them. And Jesus sat on them. them. Jesus had two ordinary asses brought to him. But then he did something extraordinary, church. Oh, come on now. He had them together and he laid a cloak or a mantle spread over them. And then he sat on them. Saints, the things that you're learning, correcting, and finding the favor of God in is a mantle. It is a cloak. It is the thing that you're choosing to spread over the generation coming after you. Saints, our goal in this house is that your sons and disciples do what you do. Learn from what you do. That this is why we are having these corrections brought into our life because we are spreading a righteous cloak or mantle of God on them. So that a house, a generational line might be built correctly. Listen, the Lord presides over this whole process. He rests on it. He sits on it because he has need of both generations. One will not suffice. In all of your reasoning, saints, in all of your reckoning with your own inability, don't you reason the Lord out. He cares for both generations, and he will fix problems in you, not because he loves you, although he does, but because he loves what he wants to come from you. Hallelujah. Now, everything that Judah said is both profound and true. But ask yourself, how did Jesus sit on them? Was he riding a board between them like a wave runner? The truth is, is that Zechariah makes this clear. The Lord is riding the colt, the foal of the donkey. The glory of the Lord is riding the generation after you. This is not about you. Well, they look like me. Good. That has nothing to do. Their kids won't know that. Nobody will care. Why are you so invested in it? This is about the next generation and not about you. Jesus sits on the younger donkey. This is about what comes through you, your sons and your disciples after you. 
This is why so much care and attention is given to the state of our homes. The mantle or the cloak that we throw over the younger donkey is something that the Lord intends to ride in the rebuilding of his house on earth through your family line. You should think of these cloaks as all that the activities that you're going through. Your mantle, your authority, who you are. But he wants to ride on them. He may start with a couple of ordinary asses. But what he does with them is totally supernatural and extraordinary. They become so much more than what they started as. We're going to pick up in verse 8 and keep driving at this. Are you all engaging with us? As we pick up an eight, you're going to notice a progression. When both generations are operating as they are called to, something grows. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. What happened, church? Something was done correctly in the first and second generation that is now approaching, and a very large crowd all around is learning to lay down their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Save us, Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When the people saw this generational entry into the city, they were moved to throw their cloaks on the ground as if they were worthless and in sight of what they could now see. Then they began to cry out, Hosanna, save us. That is what we want. We're throwing our cloaks down. This has always been what happens in true generational ministry. The people see the favor and the glory of God on the younger generation. And they cry out in repentance. They throw their way of doing things on the ground and say, save us, mighty God. We see where your glory rests. Which is the Lord correcting their generational errors as well as extending the house of God through Christ's construction method. Do you see that when the generational cloak was thrown over two donkeys and Jesus rode on the younger, the response of the people was to rid themselves of their own mantles, to lay them down and cry out, save us. When generational ministry is done right, this yes. is what happens to the watching world because they've never seen anything like it. Let's pick up in verse 10. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Come on. Who is this? This kind of witness on earth causes a whole city to be stirred. They begin asking, Who is this king of glory? Kind of a Psalm 24 thing. This causes men, households, and nations to want to entreat the Lord, to want to follow this example. In their hearts, they know it's right. They've just never seen it done. Every year during this time, the people were singing Psalm 118. In, in fact, Matthew quotes it in verse 42. But I don't want you to miss it, and we don't want to teach on it all day. So I want to clue you into this here. I'm going to read you Psalm 118, and I'm going to tell you up front, there's a reason for this. The stone the builders rejected. What did the builders do? Rejected. Has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Hosanna. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. Come on. Now, the stone the builders rejected 
in the time that Psalm 118 is written is David, yeah. not Jesus. He was too young. He was too insignificant. He was too unimpressive in his youth to warrant the attention of his father Jesse or the prophet Samuel. Engage with that for a minute. He's out in the field. Let him play. We got real work to do. Even as he became older, he was not the choice of the leaders. But God's favor was on the younger donkey. Yes, it was. And he became the foundation of the household that God would build. And he is the direct ancestor of Jesus. The stone that was rejected oh, became on. the foundation stone for all that God would build in the family line. Well, saints, now that you can see that, now would be a really good time for you to think deeply, introspectively upon whether you are a builder rejecting the stone that is marvelous in God's sight, that is the capstone in his eyes, that is where the glory of God is currently resting. If your kids are a nuisance, if they're an inconvenience to your ministry calling, if they get in the way of what you think God wants you to do, well, perhaps you have it uh, backwards. Or another way to say it is you have it ordinary ass, ass backwards. Ass backwards. Perhaps the only reason that you exist is to be an older donkey, giving a sense of pace and direction to where the glory of God is currently resting. Come on now! The glory of God and all future work rests upon them, and He has charged you with leading them. Maybe everything in your life, including the corrections, the adjustments, the heart-wrenching, and even the moments of great encouragement, we're really just about making sure the right cloak was thrown over them. Jesus takes his seat on the next generation. That much is clear from Zechariah, as we said earlier. And it is the reason that we are taking pains to make sure that people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and even 70s in this room get this stuff right now. Because it's not about the years you have left. It's about their years. This is about the generation coming after you. We want to stay moving to keep a faithful timeline, but I, I'm just looking around the room, and when my eyes see Chris Hull, there are beautiful and amazing things happening in David and Jennifer. This has been a banner year for them, but that's not as much about David and Jennifer as it is about what God wants in Chris Hull. When I look over here and I see Anna, Anna's parents are having an extraordinary time of adjustment, correction, and blessings of God. And you can tend to think, oh, that's because they're leading and God cares so much. No, no, no. It's because Anna is still in the house. The reason that God is doing what he's doing, the reason that the Piros have hit a skyrocket level in their relationship is because we still have Sydney and Chloe and Emmy. And God wants something to move forward in his kingdom. His glory is actually on the next generation. And it's why we have to be brave enough to engage in this. Nothing upsets the religious apple cart quite like the understanding that this whole thing is not about your calling. It's not about what you can achieve. It's about the next generation of pastors, disciples, and children. We're going to look at verse 15 of Matthew 21. But when the chief priest and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. 
Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You have ordained praise. I want to tell you that Adonai has ordained praise from the mouths of the children in this room. He is correcting our households and our generational lines to ensure that he gets what he's ordained. Come on. When we do this well, we will hear shouts of God bless it. Hallelujah. God bless it. As the work of God is done in their lives. When we get this wrong, we prove ourselves to be ordinary asses. God is calling us to something extraordinary. David was a rejected stone that God used to build a dynasty. And Jesus is the son of David. Daddy, you know very well that I've been up on this stage since I was five. Yeah. You've included me and everything since my earliest memories. There are literally recordings, church, of me and sermons since the first year it was established. Sometimes quoting the Ten Commandments, sometimes getting world-class rebukes, but both on recording. Look at me, church. I'm your pastor. We have a lifelong relationship with each other. The favor of God is on my life because of a cloak that was thrown over me. I am blessed to have Christ riding upon my life, and it is the result of generational ministry done well. Now it is my highest ambition to do the same for Titus, Benaiah, Yoshev, Jehu, for Elijah, who's in our household, for Ezra, for Barzillai, but so much more than just the natural fruit, the disciples that are in this house, the men yes. that we are spending our lives pouring together yes. as if you were my own. Why? Because the glory of God rests on you. Because this is what Christ has called us to. The entire thing reminds us of Revelation 22:16. For a very specific reason, this is the testimony that Jesus leaves. It says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Saints, Jesus is that root that's springing up new generation. Come on. He is sending his angel to bring a testimony to the churches about that new generation. About the bright and morning star that's beginning to shine. Right now, the roots that we lay down will be the rising stars of the next generation. Our Do you believe that? Yeah. It's important that that be more than a slogan for you. You endure the things that you endure and you boldly face what needs to be faced because it matters to them. It matters. They yes. learn sensitivity to the Spirit. They learn repentance. They learn empowerment during your weakness from being around you as you do it. And if we do not do it, if we continue to put up this facade, which the Lord has been tearing down for months, then they'll be as diseased as you were from what you inherited from your parents. But God is doing something different in our house right now. Come on. Somebody say, I'm a symbol. I'm a symbol. You are symbols of the things to come. Yes. Saints, we are addressing these things now so that you are not a portent of the things to come. You are a symbol of what God is raising up in the same way that Christ is the firstborn of the dead, but resurrection is coming for all mankind. 
if we can get that down into our soul that it is not about us, it is really for them, it will inform our every action. This is true in every area. It's not just true with our children. The glory of God will ride on the next generation of pastors in the one association. This was never about me or Matthew or Wade or Brent or Buddy or Mike or Justin or Zeke. It's about Matt's daughters. It's about Brent's children that will marry Indonesians and become a part of a generational and cultural ministry. It's about Buddy's daughter that will marry a Peruvian and what will come out of that. It's about the generations. When we think Mike, Justin, or Zeke, we should be thinking about what they raise up, not what they can accomplish. They're unimportant, and they were old donkeys when they were ordained. All we're waiting on is to throw the cloak over the next generation so God's glory can ride on it. Our time, quite honestly, is fading, and their time is rising. If you're in this room and you're above 35 years old, you are fading. It is about the next generation. And if you don't believe that, go try to be a professional athlete for a while and you'll find out how much you have faded. The great privilege of our lives is to set a pace, to set a direction, knowing that they will improve on it because God's glory will enable them to do so. So saints, as we are moving to a closing, that will launch us once again back into worship. But the kind of worship that understands what God is speaking to us and what he will do through you. We want to finish our prophecy to the body from Zechariah 9 and 10. Picking up in verse 11 as we return to Zechariah. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Prisoners of what? Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. Church, if we will rise up in this matter, if we will take courage in this endeavor, then the Lord will free us from every waterless pit because it's about them and the line that is being built. We will become prisoners of hope to what God will do through the generations. Chained to it, bound by that hope, unable to be freed from the hope that we have in what God is building through them. We will take the pains to get this right. I mean, right now. Then we can know for certain that God will give the generations coming after us twice as much as we ourselves ever received. Yeah, I read somewhere about a prophet who was able to give a cloak or a mantle to the next generation that was twice as much. Did you know every household is supposed to actually work that way? Zechariah 9.13 is one of my favorite things the Lord showed us for you. Say it's for me. I will bend Judah as I bend my bow. And I will fill it with Ephraim. I will rouse your sons, O LCM, against your sons, O world, and make you like a warrior sword. The Lord is making adjustments in our homes and lives because he is preparing to rouse the sons of his house in defense of his house. We're going to rouse the sons. It's what God is doing. 
will take on the world and they will prevail. They are the sword of the Lord in the hand of Christ himself. And they will possess the obedience of the nations. The book of Revelation and Zechariah declare it. Come on. As we pick up in 14, every time you hear the word them, know that in the literal context of the passage, it is speaking about the sons of Zion. And in this house, it is continuing to speak about your sons. Then the Lord will appear over them, them, your sons that have been roused. His arrow will flash like lightning. The sovereign Lord will sound the trumpet. He will march in the storms of the south. And the Lord Almighty will shield them. them. They will destroy and overcome with sling stones. They, they will drink and roar as with wine. They will be full like a bowl used for sprinkling the corners of the altar. Saints, this next generation that we choose to rouse now, this next generation will benefit from the hard work we are doing. The Lord himself will appear over them. His glory will be over them collectively as they war. The Lord will be their shield as he hovers over them. It is they, the sons that are being roused, who will destroy the work of the enemy and overcome with the slingstone of God's scriptures and word. They will be intoxicated on the spirit. Yeah. They will be addicted to the cleansing of the altar of God. Yeah. The Lord will be with them in the storm, and that will be an extraordinary thing when you see him coming on the clouds. Okay, not only do we just have two blessings left for you. With everything that you've learned, this is the most essential part. Okay? Zechariah 10.1. Ask the Lord for rain. You can't make anything grow. You can't change yourself, your spouse, or your children. The one thing that you can do is come to grips with what needs to change and ask the Lord for rain. Yeah. Ask the Lord for rain in the springtime. It is the Lord who makes the storm clouds. He gives showers of rain to men and plants of the field to everyone. Church, I've spent 30 years preaching you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's still true. It always will be. But in this time, we've come face to face with our sin and our inability precisely so that we can ask Adonai for the springtime rain because yes, we God. have to grow and we can't without it. We're learning to ask him to give us showers of rain for the men that we are to raise up. Yes. Not one of us makes anything grow, but God wants to his word to this body is he will send the rain upon you and he will when you think about this we're right back to what our responsibility is it's to rise up it's, it's to take this matter into our hands it's to take courage and support one another in this effort the Lord is positioning us to be rained upon in our generations that they might build his house. Saints, we are at the end of the prophetic word. But as Peyton and the team are about to lead us into celebratory worship, we're asking you to stand to your feet. Group together with the generations that God has given you.
grouped together with where his glory rests. Today, if repentance is required, then please do so, but rise up in the matter that is already in your hands. If your children are not spirit-filled in this house, today that can be fixed. You can throw the cloak of the glory of God of what he has given. If they can, get to the place where they can speak to you. Teach them to speak to the heavens. Teach them to speak to the Almighty. Ask the Almighty God to reign not only on you, but on that which he has given you. So we throw a cloak over them. And we wrestle for righteousness sake so that they can possess it. It is they that will experience the glory of Jesus riding on them. And know for certain they will build God's house. This very next verse, this last verse, is an assurance of the final outcome. An assurance that our Father has given us from Zechariah 10 verse 12. This is the result of what will happen. I, I will strengthen them in the Lord. In his name, they will live securely, declares the Lord. We're at the end of our time. But you need to know that the word strengthen, the word strengthen means gebar. It has the connotation of making them into gibors. Into Psalm 37, spiritually strong men who know the ordered steps of God and are never forsaken. Your God is saying, I will not only make you, I will make them spiritually strong men and women of God that are able to carry my weight, that are able to carry my glory, that my presence will rest on them. I will see them live securely. But we have to ask him to reign on us. So as I begin to pray, I'm going to be asking God to reign on my house, to reign on our house, that he might move in our midst and that that cloak would rest on our sons, daughters, and disciples. Mighty God, we ask that you would cause it to rain. Thank you, Lord, for tilling the soil of our heart. Let your presence descend on us, almighty God.